This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I have to thank my friend Jana Hollingsworth at the Star Tribune for doing this story and shining a spotlight on this issue. Um, police ticketing in Duluth schools show racial disparities. Uh, and the Duluth School Board is expected to vote on a new school policing contract this month that's meant to improve that particular program. And, and I'm just going to tell you, um, my son was um, going to the Mall of America yesterday for his birthday with his friends. But after um, the shooting there on Thursday, I had to let him know that he would not be going. And he said, well, Mom, there's going to be a lot of extra police and they're going to make sure it was safe. And I said, son, the extra police is the concern. You're a beautiful young black boy. You have twists. Um, you're going to be hopping around that mall. I don't know what these suspects look like. And I don't want anybody to charge you up um, thinking that you did something wrong or you are in some way connected. Because for black and brown parents, the um, presence of increased uh, police, it, it, it could be um, disastrous, um, especially for our boys. And so I told my son, look, we're going to wait a while um, because we're going to wait till um, they get back to a, a regular level of policing. That things aren't so stressful, um, that there's not the heightened security because I don't want anybody to think that you are anything other than an amazing 16-year-old boy who works hard at McDonald's, who volunteers in his community, and who helps take care of his three special needs siblings. And, and so I wanted to invite um, Jamie Sharp on the show. He is the Law Enforcement uh, Accountability um, network in Duluth. Um, he is featured in this Star Tribune article and he is joining us now on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. Jamie, thank you so much for being on the Shaletta Show. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. I'm just excited um, that y'all are interested in hearing what's going on up here in Duluth. Yeah, talk to me about that and the police ticketing in the schools and the racial disparities that um, you all are seeing. Yeah, so as you said, Jenna Hollingsworth of Star Tribune did recently just put out an article where she ran quite a bit of data and found that while black students only typically make up less than 5% of our ISD 709 Duluth Public School population, 
they re- they received about one third of police tickets from the fall of 2016 to March of 2022. This study that um, she put together was in response to a press release that the Law Enforcement Accountability Network here in Duluth put out in uh, March. And that found, and that looked at a smaller amount of data, but really just looked at the 2021-2022 school year and found that while black students make up maybe around 8 or 9% of the student population, they made up 38% of the tickets that were being written. Um, Similar disparity was found with American Indian or Alaska Native students too. But another really notable kind of interesting uh, disparity that we found was the difference between the east and the west side. Um, for folks who've ever been up to mm-hmm. Duluth, there's definitely yeah. a very stark difference between the east side of Duluth and the west side of Duluth. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the 2021-2022 school year, um, there were a total of um, 58 tickets written at Denfeld, which is the west side high school, 28 tickets written at Lincoln Park Middle School, which is the west side middle school, only nine tickets written at East High School and one ticket written at East Middle School. So we just see an extreme disparity in race and geography where tickets are being written um, by law enforcement. And I, I just want to emphasize, I'm sure we'll go more into this, but I really appreciated your kind of intro to the show. You know, we're talking about children who are at school. Children. Can you just preach about it? Children. Thank you. Can you talk about it? And, and this is the thing. And, and we talk about the pipeline to prison. Uh, Jamie and yep. so I have had to always intentionally either put my children in private school or put my family in a position where we are at the schools that are predominantly white so that they don't have to see bars on the school they don't have to see the fence around the school they don't have to see police crawling around the school waiting for them to do something wrong and I as a as a black parent am so tired of my children's skin color being used against them and them being dubbed or labeled criminals before they have even done something wrong the talks that I have to have with my children especially my teenage son, who is pretty much a model student and citizen, it, it, it's, it's embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing, it's embarrassing. as a parent. And, and, and you know, I, I have to bypass everything that he's done good and tell him all this negative stuff and then tell him to get out of the car and go to school and do his best. Right. And I think a really big point I want to make um, with our data that we ran um, is that, you know, while some of the charges that were being given to the kids were, like, over assaults um, or, like, drug possession, the vast majority of them were from what they called disorderly conduct. Ticket so tech stuff. Like, Ticket tech exactly. stuff in their files. Exactly. That piles up, exactly. that piles up, that piles up. And at some point, you know, these are children. And, and this is the thing, Jamie, that black parents know that I need my white friends and listeners who are um, who are tuned in right now to this show to understand that the grace their kids get is not the same grace that our kids get. Um, I remember my son, Andrew, was a student at Second Baptist um, in Houston, Texas. A lot of people know Pastor Ed Young. It is a huge school. It is predominantly white. It is private. These kids in the junior high school brought liquor from their parents' liquor cabinets, and they all got drunk and sick at an event. And, you know, they put them all in a room, and they talked to them, and then they let them go. 
And so my question to the school at that point was, what type of punishment did they get? And they said, you know, we don't want to put anything in their file. We don't want them to get in any trouble. So we gave them a verbal warning, but we did not document it. And I thought they would never give that kind of grace to my child. If a bunch of black kids brought liquor to the school and they got drunk and sick, they would have gotten into so much trouble. So what I tell the school is if you're going to give grace to the white kids, give that same grace to the black kids or punish the white kids the way that you do the black ones. And I'm really glad you brought that up Um, because right now in Duluth where we're having a lot of trouble is, of course, you know, these disparities in policing, they don't only exist in the school. They also exist within just the police department in general. Um, In 2020, more than 55% of the department's use of force incidents were against people of color, while the people of color only make up about 8-9% of our population here in Duluth. And I, I bring this up, you know, this is something that I think we all expect at this point, that there's this disparity but we reached a point with the police department here in Duluth um, where in some of our conversations, they really um, are seeing this data, this disparity. And instead of saying, okay, maybe we're over-criminalizing certain kids or maybe we're giving certain leniency to other kids, what they're trying to do with this data now is to say, well, this kind of proves that black and brown folks are the ones committing most of the crimes. Um, and they, what we found actually is they're able to hire consultants from all over the country here in Duluth. They actually hired someone from Seattle who's a prosecutor, former police officer, who now has a company called Police Strategies LLC. And essentially his job is to kind of turn data in order to take these disparities that we see and that I think should be glaring descriptions of racism and actually kind of tilt it, write these big reports, you know, 200-page reports essentially explaining Actually, this has nothing to do with racism, has nothing to do with bias, has nothing to do with racial profiling, and just has to do with the fact that black and brown folks are committing all the crime. So what we're kind of dealing with right now in Duluth is kind of like this battle of rhetoric um, where we really, you know, what I'm just trying to remind people whenever I do interviews, whenever I'm on TV, whenever I'm speaking with the community, is these are all humans. And no humans are more likely to act more aggressively. No humans are more likely to commit crimes. While social factors definitely have some influence over the type of business that people might be able to do, the way people might be able to make their living, um, the conditions that they're living in, such extreme disparities. We're talking, I mean, you you heard the disparity in the beginning. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. something like, and I'll, I'll repeat it here for you because I think this, this figure kind of does a number. One in five black students at ISD 709's middle and high schools received citations, while only one in 140 mm. white students did. We're talking the deep north up here. This is, this is extreme. And yet, you know, I think that some of these officers, some of these administrations, particularly the, the police chief, Mike Tuscan, who just retired, luckily, um, we're hoping to see a transition, they thought that they could get away with the explanation that this is just because black and brown people commit more crimes because these kids are troubled and they're behaving worse. And I think what we need um, from everyone out there, from the community, from folks like you, that's why I love that you have this show, just to remind that everyone is human. We are all human. We're all, we are all coming from the same likelihood to commit crime, the same likelihood to sell drugs, the same likelihood to use drugs. And that if we are seeing these disparities, it has to do with policy problems. It has to do with the practices of these law enforcement agencies. It does not have to do with these children because that is absolutely inappropriate. And, you know, I like to um, remind people at 
about how we um, as a society look at things differently. Um, You know, when the crack epidemic happened, you know, black people were criminalized for uh, being addicted to drugs and there were three strikes and you're out and they had super predators and, you know, terms like that. But then when the opioid crisis happened and white children and white people were getting addicted to drugs, they started equipping the police with how to handle it and getting them therapy. And they had the, the you know, the, the they could come in the police department with syringes in their arms. And, and there was no uh, three strikes, you're out. There were no super predators. You know, they, they didn't, you know, label these people as, as criminals. They gave them the help and the counseling and the therapy that they needed so they could get their lives back on track. But they were ready to throw the bath the child the you know the, per- the person taking a bath out with the bath water the baby out with the bath water when these uh people you know during the, the crack epidemic were addicted to drugs and if you think that that is not racial please think again now we are talking to jamie sharp um he is a member of uh lean in duluth now folks are texting me like who in the hell is jamie and what is lean we're gonna tell you who he is and why he is an authority on this in that community what lean does and you know what if you appreciate the conversation that you're hearing how you can help when we come back it is too hot on this show right now i tell you we are um having a very heated discussion about a story that my friend jenna hollingsworth did in the star tribune uh, talking about how police ticketing in Duluth schools is, is showing racial disparities. And the Duluth School Board is expected to vote on a new school policing contract this month that's meant to improve the program. Now, listen, um, nobody is saying that we don't need to secure our schools. I went down to Uvalde. So I understand the need to have good security in schools with the way that the world is going. But what I'm telling you is we need to have the right security. And they need to have the proper training so that our black and brown children are not criminalized for minor things that any kid does. You know, and, and, and you know, we're talking to uh, Jamie Sharp. He is a member of the Law Enforcement Accountability Network in Duluth. And, and he is quoted in this particular story. And, and Jamie, you know, I, I've got kids with autism. And my son Daniel, if he wants to color with a particular blue crayon and he can't find that particular blue crayon, all hell might break loose in here. Um, and, and so we have to keep seven or eight of those particular blue crayons in case one of them comes up missing. Um, he may uh, get aggressive. He may uh, harm himself. He may uh, try to get past someone. And, and if he's in a regular school setting and the teachers see that and, and they call someone, you know, he, he's doing that right now, Jamie, at seven. And if God doesn't heal him. Um, and, and he gets to be 17 and he's still doing that, they're going to call the school police resource officer and he's going to be arrested. Now, any other child who is not black or brown, um, they're going to call the counselor. But for my baby, they are surely going to call the police, which is why I work so hard now 
um, to try and get my children to a point where they can talk and communicate and self-regulate. Because I understand that he's seven now, but at some point he's going to be 17. And I want him not to have to interact with police when he does not need to. And we've seen these stories, Jamie, all the time where, you know, there's an eight-year-old black kid and they're trying to teach him a lesson. So they put the handcuffs on him and walk him to the police car and everybody at the school thinks that that's okay. And he's crying and they're laughing and smiling, thinking they're teaching him a lesson. They would never do a white kid like that. Yeah, absolutely not. And I think like that's what's really interesting about when we look at how uh, the school districts are kind of contracting with the police in order to have police in their schools, what they call SROs, student resource officers. I mean, they're just school cops, right? And we talked earlier in the show about the disparities in how they're using ticketing um, and also just how they're using force citywide. But I think what's really interesting is when you look at the amount of money that they're spending on contracting out um, to these police officers to keep them in the schools, where can that money go elsewhere, right? I think it said that it's a $277,000 contract. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that money could be going to to get more counselors, like you're talking about, more people who can work specifically with these children. I think also it could be going to after-school programming, could be going to, towards more restorative justice circles. Um, we're, we're talking about ways to actually help these kids who, who, who are the ones who, whether or not they are acting out, who are ending up within the criminal justice system. You know, I think we did see earlier um, this summer an increase in juvenile violent crime here in Duluth. There were a number of high-profile shootings um, that really upset the community. And I think, you know, similar like you were talking earlier in the show, instead of going and, and, and say, seeing really what caused this, which really was, you know, you talk to anyone in town who knows about this issue, it has to do with the after-school programming um, that it was shut down for a couple weeks, and that's when all of this mm-hmm. violent crime happened between juveniles. But no one's talking about that. Instead, mm-hmm. what they're talking about is how it has to do with COVID, and these kids are restless, and it's going back to that kind of rhetoric about these menacing kids, these black kids that are more aggressive, and no one's willing to say it, right, because we're in Minnesota, we're Minnesota nice, but a lot of like the comments that you see in the media are kind of going in that direction. And it, it ultimately leads back, and, you know, we see this cycle over and over again, leads back to this hard-on-crime, tough-on-crime rhetoric, you know, and what I'm most worried about now, right, we're like two years after the George Floyd uprising in the Twin Cities where everyone seemed interested in police accountability, is now, you know, people don't really seem to care anymore, especially white allies. And what we're seeing is this kind of swing of the pendulum, and more and more often we're starting to see this tough-on-crime rhetoric um, appear once again, like we did in the seventies and eighties. Um, and, and it's often even coming from people who consider themselves progressive candidates, progressive politicians. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, it, 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 it's not trendy anymore. You know, it was trendy when, you know, uh, right after George Floyd died to say, I'm an ally and I stand with, um, you know, communities of color and we need to hold police accountable. And, you know, that summer is over. You know, and and those of us who have been in the fight, you know, who have been here for decades, who have been marching and getting legislation passed um, and and trying to see a change, you know, we kind of knew that this was trendy. 
So we tried to get everything done that we could during that summer to <laughs> to change things because we knew that that all of these um, so-called allies and, and people who understood what was going on were going to fall off and, and join on to the next bandwagon trend. Um, and, and I can tell you, um, you know, legislation takes four or five years sometimes. You know, I, I work with Carrie Dietzik to pass the autism officer training uh, legislation that paid um, that that made sure to fund training for officers so they would know how to deal with adults or people that they come in contact with who have autism. That took four freaking years. So this is not going to change or happen in a summer. You got to stick and stay um, in order for a real difference to be made. And and so a lot of people are not doing that. You are, Jamie. And, and, you know, folks are like, who in the hell is Jamie Sharp? And what authorizes him to be on your show talking about this today? Uh, Jamie is a member of the Law Enforcement Accountability Network. Um, LEAN um, is the acronym in Duluth. Jamie, tell us before you go about LEAN. Yeah, so Lean Duluth, um, you can go ahead and check us out at leanduluth.org, L-E-A-N, Duluth.org. And we're essentially a network of concerned citizens um, who really realize how important it is to get this data out in the public so people can base their knowledge of these issues off the facts, see the disparities. We have a lot of, like, infographics that make it easy for people to see these disparities because it is really hard to kind of understand these issues when you're just talking numbers. But if you can see it, it makes sense. We also have a rewrite initiative where we're collecting stories of people's personal experiences um, with the police here in the Duluth region. And we also kind of host this website as a way for our sister organizations to put their initiatives on. We work really closely with the Duluth NAACP. And in particular, you know, I, I do want to give some hope to your listeners before we sign off here. We have had a lot of success, success actually, in the last two years. We got the city of Duluth to fund $600,000 annually to a non-police crisis response unit where folks who are trained in de-escalation, cultural sensitivity, who understand these issues, will be automatically dispatched for anything related to any kind of psych 911 call, housing issue, hopefully one day drug-related issues as well. Um, and on top of that, we also just actually, as of this past month, um, pushed the St. Louis County Board, Board of Commissioners to cancel the contract with lean, or with uh, Mend Correctional Care, which is a for-profit um, corrections healthcare company. So this is a multi-million-dollar contract. This group was responsible for many deaths of folks in prison um, and in jail here in Minnesota. I think they've made $55 million of Minnesota taxpayer money in the past years and responsible for 25 deaths in that time. So they're a horrible group, um, and we were able to get them pushed out and get a new contractor in the jail and actually double the amount of care that folks are receiving and increase mental health care as well for those who are incarcerated. So we have had some minor success, but I really highly recommend visit our website, get in touch, leanduluth.org, because we have so much work to do as um, we were talking about today. We're still just barely breaking under the surface with these disparities in the school, with use of force, with traffic stops. And I do think it's a right time for change here in Duluth. We're going to have a new sheriff. We're going to have a new police chief. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that some of those transitions, while they won't fix systemic issues, um, they can kind of change the waters. And just it's it's another opportunity. Um, We just got to take advantage of those chances. Well, I thank you for being on the show with me today. We've been chatting with Jamie Sharp on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. He is a member of the Law Enforcement Accountability Network in Duluth. Y'all stick around. We're coming back.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 